G'day everyone and welcome to another Bloody Movie Podcast. I'm Sean Coates. Thanks very much for tuning in to what is another Bloody Movie Podcast's 50th episode. Technically, we've done way more than 50 episodes, but in terms of A, B and P episodes, the very loose structure into how I made this podcast. So we've done other episodes that were like weird bonus episodes and also like, uh, you know, we've got the film fiascos and also now a picnic at Hanging Rock, which are all separate. This is episode number 50 of abmp so quick round of applause it only took us four and a half years but we finally got there and i want to start out this episode by referring to episode number 49 and give a big congratulations to the melbourne overlooked film festival team for putting on a really really fun couple of nights of screenings they had some technical difficulties which is you know to be expected by a virtual festival that went virtual at the last minute but they worked through them very well and it was a really fun couple of nights of some screening some very very interesting short films um personal favorites of mine were toast which was about a like a possessed toaster which was which was really a lot of fun. There was also a short film that was only 17 seconds long that <laughs> that played there. Um, a really fun night of screenings. All the films were really good and really interesting. And, you know, Jacob and Gabriella and the rest of the Moth team put on a really, really fun little festival that I that hopefully will be able to be screened in person if they get the chance to do it again in the future. So big congratulations to them. And for our 50th episode, we are staying in festival mode, but we're going to move over to a festival that's a bit more established than MOF, and that is, of course, the Sydney Film Festival, which normally would be happening right now, but because of COVID, has been pushed from into August. On It is happening on August 18th to the 29th, and I am hoping to be able to attend this year after I have not been able to attend the previous two years I went on a holiday to Europe in 2020 in 2019 and then obviously last year it went online with one thing and another but they're hoping to be back in person and I've got my flights booked and I'm staying with a friend for the last weekend of Sydney Film Festival and I'm hoping restrictions and you know the festival itself and cases are all good so I can actually attend and I'm hoping it will I'll have as much fun as I did back when I attended in 2018 and I had the absolute pleasure, for my 50th episode of Another Bloody Movie Podcast, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with the festival director of the Sydney Film Festival, Nishen Moodley, earlier this week, to talk all about the festival and adapting to a virtual space and now having to come back to a physical to the physical festival space. Uh, you know, talked all about what we can expect from this year's festival, um, not only in terms of the communal aspect of, the, of being back in cinemas again for a festival, but then also the sorts of films that are screening. So last Wednesday, the first 22 films of the program were announced and Nishen highlights a couple of, Nishen and I uh, highlight a couple of those. And it's a really great chat, and you don't want to hear me talking about it much longer, so I'm going to get straight into it. So here is my chat with Nishen Moodley, the festival director of the Sydney Film Festival. Hope you enjoy this, and get keen for more festi- for film festivals coming back. Hope you enjoy. I am here with the director of the Sydney Film Festival, Nishen Moodley. Thank you very much for coming on the show today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Sean. No worries. Absolute pleasure having you on as well. Um, And I just want to say also congratulations. Uh, This year, it will be your 10th year as the director of Sydney Film Festival. Um, In your tenure, the audience has grown up until 2019 because there wasn't a physical festival last year. But from your time, from when you began in 2012 till 2019, uh, SFF audiences grew 63%. And you've also introduced, like, almost tripled the number of films that was playing since you started. Um, So just congratulations on your tenure so far. 
Oh, thank you so much. That's very kind of you. It's been uh, an amazing 10 years, I think. We've uh, really had such a wonderful response from audiences and from filmmakers from around the world. We've had more and more people uh, coming, not just in the cinema, but more and more international and Australian filmmakers joining us at the festival to present their films. So it's been a, it's been a wonderful time. I had the pleasure of coming up for the festival in 2018. I went for the Queen's birthday long weekend and I just had the best time and met some, you know, pretty awesome people who I'm friends with, still friends with today. And, you know, they come down for MIF every year. And yeah, it's just, I, I love Sydney Film Festival and fingers crossed I'll be back there again, uh, COVID, COVID permitting, I guess. Yes, and I hope, I, I hope you'll join us. Well, that leads me perfectly into my first question of what kind of changes in a, I guess, for lack of a better word, post-COVID uh, era, I don't want to say era, but in a post-COVID world, um, what sort of changes or how will Sydney Film Festival be different this year? Well, I think the first important thing is that we are able to have a film festival. I hope, I hope we will be able to have a film festival in cinemas, and I think that's an incredibly rare thing in the world right now. Um, film festivals have not returned in the form to which we are accustomed. So many festivals have gone online, like we have, like we did last year. Uh, many festivals have uh, have you know stayed online this year, while having some screenings, perhaps in drive-ins or outdoor screenings. So Sydney Film Festival will be one of the first festivals in the world, all going well, to have a major film festival in cinemas and, and very close to a format uh, in which people know the festival. So I think that's a, that will be a wonderful thing if it all goes to, to plan. There'll be some changes, of course. And uh, the, the primary one for me is that uh, we will not have any international guests. Um, I think that's extremely unlikely. So we'll still hope to engage with those international filmmakers through, in a variety of ways and try to maintain some connection with, with the audience. But that will, be a, that will be a major difference. We'll also have a slightly smaller festival this year. It will be about 25% smaller than usual. And that allows us to have uh, fewer, fewer sessions, more time between those sessions to... Uh, clean the cinemas to allow for an easier entry and exit from the cinemas, a more comfortable entry and exit. So those are some of the changes that uh, that will happen from when you were last year in, in 2018. But we hope uh, things will improve uh, as far as COVID is concerned. Things will, will change in terms of the travel ban um, and that as soon as next year, uh, we hope we'll be able to have international guests once again. Is there any plan, in t if in case with these international guests, is there any plan to sort of like, I guess, do uh, like remote Q&As or anything like that? Or is that just too fickle or too, like, is there any plans to do anything like that in, in lieu of yeah. them not being able to get here? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We, we, I mean, I think there are things we learned through doing the online festival last year. And uh, we hope uh, several filmmakers will be available for, for to make introductions to the films. Um, and also to uh, to do Q and A's. So we hope to to present a number of filmmakers in that way over the course of the festival. And of course, we'll have filmmakers from Australia here to present their films. So um, 
we'll still have that engagement, which I think is really important for any film festival. Mm. It, 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 because of that, I guess, because of your job, you know, which normally involves going internationally to these festivals to try to secure these films for SFF, and with none of these festivals going ahead in person and obviously not be, no one else being able to travel overseas, how has that impacted your role as the, as the director of the festival? Has, it, has all of these festivals gone online made it easier or maybe in some ways harder? Well, I think, I, I think it's a combination. It's, it's uh, a mixed bag. I've, I've still seen as many films as I usually do. Uh, I think we've received so many films I've watched many films online, either at festivals or outside festivals. So for me, that's that's been a big change. I haven't traveled at all since uh, going to Berlin last year. Um, it's enabled me in some ways to see more films uh, over a period because there's no standing in queues and, and, and trying to get tickets and things uh, for films. But I think what I really miss is being in a full cinema with people and gauging that audience reaction to a film, that's, that's a, a downfall of not being able to, to travel to other festivals. And uh, I think the other thing is that I miss a lot the interaction with, with people, whether those are filmmakers or, or people who hold the rights to the films. I think meeting various people from around the world is always extremely useful, um, not just in securing films, for any particular edition of the festival, but to building relationships um, that usually last a very long, long time. So I, I do miss that element, but it hasn't so much hampered my ability to watch films. I think I've been able to see virtually every film that I've, I've wanted to see. I think I also can kind of agree with that from a patron's point of view to film festivals, which I did, you know, and also as as press covering some of these festivals, because you really do miss that, I guess, that communal, that community sort of aspect to the film festival, whether it's, you know, you know, it just ma ca ma ca catching up with people and talking about what you've seen. And like a lot of festivals did did pretty well with that, uh, you know, trying with different initiatives as well. But yeah, that's something the online space just cannot replicate that. Like to, on that level, absolutely, absolutely, I agree with you. Um, you've also got a new initiative this year for, I believe it's introduced this year. Uh, tell us a little about the Deu the Deutsche Bank Fellowship for First Nations filmmakers. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, about that. Yeah, that's that's an interesting collaboration with Deutsche Bank. Uh, Deutsche Bank is also going to be supporting our First Nations program, and uh, we've run that program over uh, a long period of time, uh, starting in 2012. And what this fellowship enables uh, is for a, a, a creative, a First Nations creative, to really move to the second, uh, or, or move to advance their career. So it's quite an open fellowship. It's, uh, it's open to, to an, uh, a range of, of things that can be helpful to that particular creative. And uh, it's a $20,000 uh, fellowship. So we, we hope that has a big impact on, on the career of someone and, and enables them to grow as a, as a filmmaker. Mm. And from just from what I've seen in the time that I've followed, uh, you know, a lot of film since I've been, I guess, attending film festivals and following them, even in that short, like 
I guess, four to five year period, I have noticed a big sort of swing in Indigenous and First Nations cinema being brought to these festivals, which is really, really exciting. Um, and speaking of in terms of programming, um, just last week, you uh, the, the festival announced their first 22 films. Um, you know, you've got some big, some big name titles from festivals, like you've got the Golden Bear winner, There Is No Evil. You've got the new films from like Risuke Hamaguchi, Jim Cummings, uh, Christian Petzold. Um, is there any? Tell us about some of the highlights um, your, and your personal favourites of this year's program from the first 22 that were announced. Yeah, I, th- I think that there, you know, a bunch of films that are really great. One of the films that I, I think is uh, astonishingly good is Dear Comrades by the great Russian director Andrei Konchalovsky. And um, it's quite quite amazing that he won his first award at the Venice Film Festival for a short film in 1962. And now, almost six decades later, won a film uh, prize in, in Venice 2020 for this really masterful film about a massacre that happened uh, in the 60s in the USSR and, and information of which was suppressed for several decades. But he made, he's made a film that uh, really is about political belief and, and delusion. And I think even though it's set in a very particular time of our history, it's extremely relevant to contemporary times as well. So I think that's a very special film. Hive, uh, which won three awards at Sundance earlier this year, is based on a true story of a woman in Kosovo whose husband has disappeared in the war and has, has been has has been absent for a long time. And it's about her really trying to strike out independently and and make a future for herself and her family. And she faces resistance from a very patriarchal society uh, around her and it's uh, a film about great bravery and, and it's really inspiring um, so it's a, a film I would I would recommend to everyone and um, just one more uh, to mention Riders of Justice uh, stars uh, the great Mads Mikkelsen um, in a very entertaining and funny uh, quite dark also quite violent film um, about a man whose uh, wife was killed in a train accident. And he's then approached by um, these statisticians who have looked at the data and dispute that it's an accident. They think that some bad guys did it and uh, convince him to join forces with them to seek revenge. Right, and this is Anders Thomas Jensen's new film, yes. yes That's right, so? yes. Yeah. And just from, I was a bit surprised because I remember watching the trailer and you saying that it was, and also in the festival description, it says a comedy, but then I just realized that's a very Danish thing, (laughs) I think, to be very dark and very comic. One that I'm, yeah, yeah, one that I'm also looking forward to, and this, you know, pairs well in terms of the, your, your intent to show more First Nations cinema is uh, Night Raiders, which I believe is a Canadian and uh, uh, New Zealand co-production, which looks like a... A really, yeah, a, a sort of Orwellian sci-fi thriller where I believe was it the children are now like property of the state. I mean, this and I That's believe right. it's, uh, yeah, pretty executive produced by Taika Waititi, played at Berlinale this year. This one I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. It's a fantastic film. Um, a sci-fi film made with limited resources, let's say, but one that's really effective and and uh, though set in the near future, says a lot about about our past um, and our past in Australia as well. Um, and it's a, it's a film that's very powerful, very effective, beautifully done.
can't wait. And is there any? I'm just in curious in terms of sele- in the selection for these films. Is, is there any sort of like theme running through all of these films, or is it just random? You just like I want this film because it's a really good film. Um, and you, you're referring to these first 22 films. Yes. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Well, I think what, yeah, I think what we do with these first 22 films is, is just to give people a taste of the festival and also to, to uh, show a hint of the range of the festival. So there's everything from, you know, a, a, a film for children to a, an almost horror film to historical dramas to fantastic documentaries to comedies uh, to thrillers. So it's just about uh, showing the range of what the festival is, is going to be and uh, to get people excited about coming. I think that's the, that's the, the motivation for us releasing these titles and, and how we, we put them together. Mm. Well, it certainly has got me excited and a lot of other people from what I've been seeing on social media and just t- talking amongst my friends. Normally the festival would be running now, but you know it's been pushed back to August because of COVID. Um, also, yeah, sort of overlapping with the Melbourne International Film Festival, which for me that's going to be uh, it's going to burn me out a little bit because you know obviously <laughs> COVID pending whether I, I'm, get, I'm planning to go to both of them at this stage, but um, I guess because also Khan being moved back as well and the, your festival uh, like I guess does a lot of late additions to the festival like late announcements films from Khan. Um, I know it's probably a bit too early or probably too ambitious to ask, but can we expect something similar again this year or is that a, a bit of an ask? Well, it's it's never easy. Let, let me put it this way. It's never easy uh, <laughs> to to secure films uh, from Cannes, either for our main program or for the late editions, because, of course, the, the, the timing is, is very complicated and, and difficult. Um us moving later is great in a sense, but Cannes has also moved later, so that, that it, it doesn't reduce the, the complexity. But I'm optimistic. Can I say now that I'm optimistic uh, that uh, if you are here at the festival, you'll be well satisfied with what we will present to you. I normally ask this to a lot of filmmakers because, I, I mean, I normally get the same answer when I ask this, but I don't think I've asked this with anyone actually putting a festival together. But, like, uh, how personally, how did you actually cope or, you know, how did you get through lockdown personally? Did you find it to be, I mean, obviously you've got a very, very important job, but did you find yourself in lockdown you were more productive and got more done or was, yeah, like, how, how did you feel? How did uh, you fare? Yeah, yeah look, I, I think it was... It was really, at the start, very difficult because it wasn't so much for me the, the you know, things locked down. Uh, it, was, it was the fact that we weren't going to have a festival. It just, that seemed so inconceivable um, when, when, that, when it became clear that we wouldn't have a Sydney Film Festival last year when we had to cancel. That was such a, uh, you know, it, it seemed like such an absolutely terrible thing. But once we we you know we had to of course uh, get used to that fact, and then we came up with different ways to to have a festival, to have a, a festival online, and and then we worked quite hard to do a, a range of a range of things. We we worked with uh, We Are One, a global film festival where uh, more than twenty major international film festivals came together to put on a festival. Um, 
online and free. And, and that was quite a, uh, the first time that it ever happened and quite a major thing. We worked with SBS on a collection of films that we played there. We um, and then worked on, on other projects, like we did a summer season for the first time. So uh, a weekend of films at the State Theatre in January in collaboration with Sydney Festival. So we've done a, a lot of things that we wouldn't usually do. And and that has meant that all of us at the festival have have worked you know, very hard to to bring all those things together. So we've been very much occupied. It's, it's been different from how we usually work. But um, I think we've managed to work very effectively in continuing to engage with audiences. And I think very importantly, continuing to celebrate this, the cinema we love, the cinema that we want to champion. So it's been uh, extremely unusual and at times difficult, but um, I think we're all happy to, to have achieved many projects and uh, um, many initiatives. And we all look forward now to going back to uh, a festival in cinemas. I Again, I've said it about 10 times, but, you know, it can't be stressed enough. I cannot wait to, you know, be able to attend a festival again, to see all of these great films. And then also, as I mentioned, like the community aspect of festivals is so vital. And I think it's something we've really been missing. But on that, as you've said, like your festival and so many other festivals around the world have adapted really, really well to the virtual space. And what I believe, I think even you even said in an interview, maybe even with the Film Fight Club guys, shout out to Glenn, Chris and Virat if they are listening. But uh, I believe you said something along the lines of, or maybe even a lot of other people said that this is not going to be the norm. This is just a temporary fix. But it's, as it seems, it's a, it was a pretty effective one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think festivals all over the world have, have learned that we can adapt. We can adapt pretty quickly. Um, they are, they are ways in which we can engage with audiences that we didn't think possible before. Uh, but I think everyone you'll speak to from the world of festivals says, even though we embraced virtual film festivals and we found um, so many positives, it doesn't replicate what we fundamentally do, which is bring people together in cinemas, in the shared experience. And uh, I think going forward, there'll be combinations of things happening, but um, we want the, the primary thing that we do to be showing people films in cinemas. And we want cinemas to survive and thrive and we want um, the films that we love to be shown in cinemas not just during film festivals but uh, beyond film festivals we want those films to have a, a long life that begins with uh, theatrical release exactly cinema has always prevailed against any challenge that has been thrown its way yes absolutely and i i, I think it will survive this too Mm, well, hopefully we can see the survival of cinema at this year's Sydney Film Festival. So it's running between the 18th and 29th of August. Uh, hopefully people, you know, Sydney-siders get down to the festival when it happens and hopefully the rest of Australians, hopefully our COVID situation is good enough that we can all get to New South Wales. Uh, me crossing my fingers and toes as, <laughs> as much as I possibly can in the hope that that happens. But I believe passes are now available to purchase right now. Yes, absolutely. So uh, you could buy a pass right now, and uh, uh, there are prizes to be won. They're buying a pass gets you tickets at uh, at a significant discount. So 
um, we urge people to to support the festival, to support cinema, and uh, and join us in August. Yep, and hopefully I can be there. And if you want to see the rest of the uh, first announcement of twenty two films, just head to the uh, the website, which is sff.org.au, and keep your eyes peeled for when the full program drops in July, I believe. Yeah, July twenty first. July twenty first. Put that in your calendar, folks. Um, again, Nishan, it was an absolute pleasure talking with you today. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, and good luck with this year's festival, however it may go ahead. Uh, it's a pleasure, Sean. Thank you very much for having me on your show, and I hope very much that you do make it to Sydney and look forward to seeing you here during the festival. A big thank you to Nishen Moodley for that really wonderful chat, and I hopefully I can meet him in person if I am and can and congratulate him and thank him for that really wonderful chat and you know hopefully actually go see some quality cinema at the Sydney Film Festival myself covid be damned I'm going to get myself there well you know I'm saying that jokingly guys I'm obviously not going to go if the situation is bad I'm not that selfish but man I do really want to go to it and I'm keeping my fingers and toes crossed that I will be able to attend this year it is happening on the as we said on the 18th to the 29th of August this year at various venues across Sydney you can find out more information and bypasses at sff.org.au Sydney Sydney siders and New South Wales folks get excited for it uh, other people around Australia if restrictions are also allow you to go to the festival get excited for it also and again thank you all very much for listening into this episode. If you uh, wanted to know more about Sydney Film Festival and you tuned into this episode just for the chat with Nishen and you're like, oh, who's this handsome? And I know I can't see him, but he must be handsome because he has a very, very, very great voice. I want to listen to more of this. Well, dear listener, you can go subscribe to us basically wherever you get your podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are now on Stitcher as well. So, and many other podcasting apps, just make sure to search for Another Bloody Movie Podcast in that search bar, and then if it shows up, you hit that subscribe button. You can also follow us on our social medias. We are on Twitter at AB Movie Podcast. We are on Facebook. Uh, just go like our Facebook page, and we're also on Instagram at Another Bloody Movie Pod. And you can also find me both at Twitter and Instagram at SeanHub underscore. That is S-E-A-N-H-U-B underscore. You can follow me on Letterboxd, letterboxd.com forward slash Sean Coates where I've been watching uh, I don't know I've been getting more into television at the moment and so not as many it's the well's drying up a little bit by in that sense but I'm hoping to get into some more films uh later on and eventually get back into some more consistent film watching in the future and when I watch films particularly new ones I often write about them over at moviebabble.com yes the Team at Movie Babble. Um, I don't have anything in the pipeline just yet over there, but you know we have so many great writers there, including previous guests of this show, Spencer Henderson, Nick Cush, and of course the lovely Blake Ison. So go read some of the incredible stuff that the writers over at Movie Babble are doing over at moviebabble.com. And as I said last episode, it still has not come out at this point, but keep an eye out on Daryl Edge's Cage Rage podcast, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. I was, Daryl and I recorded an episode, I was a guest on his, on the episode of his podcast for when we talked about The Sorcerer's Apprentice, the 2010 Nick Cage classic, and it was a lot of fun. I'm hoping that episode comes out soon and I will let everybody know about it as soon as it does, but you know, in the meantime, go follow Daryl Edge's podcast. It's such a really... I've listened to a couple of episodes. It's a really, really great listen to get... to really try to understand the 
the enigma that is Nick Cage and reach, as Daryl describes it, full Cage Nirvana. Go listen to Cage Rage wherever you get your podcasts and, you know, st- stay tuned for when, you know, I show up when, to- when we talk about the weirdest uh, attempt Disney has ever made to cash in on one of their IP in what <laughs> in a really strange way. And that's about it, guys. Thanks very much for listening in. Uh, till next time, we'll see you later. Bye-bye.